This is the Western Obsessions TV podcast, where hunting's not a hobby, it's an obsession. This episode's brought to you by the top predator. Do you have a takes to be the top predator, which is an archery fitness competition? The uh, sign-ups are available now at thetoppredator.com. Uh, all right, guys, this is the Western Obsessions TV podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Belding. And on this podcast, I have guest Peter Velasco. He, uh, the, Peter runs the outdoor Texas camps, and they're very, very cool. It's all about the youth, and I, think, I thought this would be a great podcast to talk about and talk about youth into hunting, fishing, and the outdoors and how important that is. Hey, Peter, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great, Kurt. How about yourself? I'm doing really good. I'm doing really good. Yeah. So how's Texas this time of year? You guys getting uh, any good weather? This is the this is the best this is the best part of Texas that you're going to get. Uh, you know, cool mornings. Uh, getting up into like the low 70s, mid 70s. Uh, we've had a little bit of winter this this uh, this year, but not much. Uh, but this is this is the best time of Texas that you're going to find. You know, I went down and I did a little hunting in Texas. I think it was maybe two years ago now and I, I just assumed that texas was always hot and i think it was in december so i i brought like my warm gear and i froze my butt off man <laughs> well i'll tell you you know last year at about this time it was about two weeks ago a year ago when we had i think 10 or 11 inches of snow here in san antonio oh, and that's wow. really about the only the second time that's that ever has happened in my lifetime uh, but it, you know, something like that happens in San Antonio, Texas, and it literally shuts down the whole city. Uh, we don't have the equipment. People don't know how to drive. They're going nuts. Uh, the other, the, the bad part of it was everybody, we're not prepared for that. And so everybody's uh, pipes were freezing. We had a the electrical outage. We didn't have power supply for, oh, three or four days and water for three or four days. But, uh, uh, it was, uh, you know, the kids loved it. Everybody's out of school. Everybody's out playing in snow. So it was good. Yeah. It's fun for the kids, but not very much fun for the grownups. Fixing the <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for, for the most part, it was pretty good though. We, you know, we live in a, uh, a neighborhood and it's kind of crazy. My wife and I have five kids, uh, four daughters and a son and all five of our children who are now between 30 and 36 years old live within a mile and a quarter of us. And they have nine grandchildren between them. Uh, so, uh, so there was a, it was kind of fun to, the kids got to see snow and play in the snow and it was good for us also. But uh, uh, you know, they, they uh, it was uh, after about two or three days, the parents were ready to have uh, get back to normal. Yeah, I bet, man. I bet. Well, Peter, you know, last time I, we've talked quite a few times over the yeah. course of the last couple of years and yep. um, I, I was really interested in your background in the outdoor world. I know you're running camps and we're definitely going to get into these camps that you're running for the youth, which is very, very valuable for us to talk about. But like, let's kind of, let's hit on your background a little bit. Like, how'd you get started in the outdoor world? You know, um, my father grew up outdoors, and so my brother and I grew up outdoors along with him. Uh, you know, like so many kids uh, uh, my age that had that opportunity back in, you know, 40, 50, 60 years ago when there was a lot more outdoor activity. 
but every opportunity we had, I mean, we floated down the down rivers in the three-man rubber raft, fly fish from the time that I was about six years old and on, uh, bow hunted. Uh, back then it was uh, pretty much like, uh, like it probably was for you in Colorado. Uh, I mean, we still had friends that had farms within 30, 45 minutes of San Antonio. Uh, we could call them up, uh, my dad and I, and we'd take our, uh, my, my little uh, Stevens 410, break open 410 that had a hammer on it, no safety. Uh, because there wasn't any need for safety because it took all I had to pull back that hammer. <laughs> uh, and uh, we'd go out and shoot rabbits, shoot squirrels, uh, take our 22s out. So there's a lot of opportunity, you know, back then when, when, I, was a, when I was a boy and, uh, and that, was, uh, that was our thing. Um, you know, we didn't grow up, my dad didn't play golf or tennis, didn't snow ski. Uh, we hunted and fished uh, from the time that I was old enough to understand what it was. Uh, and as I got older, you know, that passion stayed with me. Um, and uh, I spent a lot of time, maybe sometimes more time than I should have, uh, thinking about hunting and fishing, planning hunting and fishing, and going hunting and fishing. Um, it's, uh, you know, in my in my 40s or so, I guess, uh, you know, it took me a lot of places that people only read about, see on TV. Uh, very fortunate uh, to go to a lot of places. Uh, and uh, back when it was a little bit safer to travel, uh, my uh, my wife stayed home with uh, with our five kids, or my son came along with me. Uh, but uh, it gave me a lot of opportunity, a lot of freedom and flexibility to do that. Um, so, I, you know. As, as, a, as a kid, uh, you know, it was always, you know, who can shoot the biggest and who can fill the limit the quickest. And uh, I went through the a maturation process in the outdoors, uh, like a lot of people do. And unfortunately, some people never do. Uh, where you grow from, you know, being that kid who wants to shoot the biggest and, and fill your limit the quickest. Uh, and then it becomes uh, just, just, uh, uh, not, not so much how much you shoot, but, but chasing a particular animal, targeting a particular mature animal. And then you get to the point where I am right now, where hunting and fishing is just the excuse I use to travel. Uh, I don't really need to pull the trigger back very much anymore. I don't need to put a fish in the box. Uh, I love to be outdoors. I need to be outdoors. Uh, it's, it's in me. It's, it's part of me. It's, you know, I know blood origin, it's a sort of an overused term, but it is in my blood. Uh, and uh, so these days, you know, I just look forward to the opportunity uh, to uh, take my grandchildren out when they get a little bit older. The camps obviously give me an opportunity to, uh, uh, to share that passion uh, with, uh, with kids from all over the country. Uh, and uh, it, uh, it, it's, it satisfies uh, the urge that I have. Uh, during the summer. So, um, you know, I still go hunting. I just don't pull the trigger very much anymore. Uh, I just like being outdoors, being around the fire, being around the people who make their living, make their lives a little bit closer to the earth than, uh, than most people do these days. Yeah. Yeah, Peter, that's great, man. I, and obviously you can see the passions that's still there for you. Just talking about you upcoming or, you know, your upbringing with uh, hunting and fishing and and what, do you, and what you do now, that passion bleeds into it, which I'm now going to lead right into your outdoor camps that you hold for, uh, for youth, man. Tell me about that. Tell me, like, how did you start this? Like, where did that come from? 
Well, I'll tell you, I did not found the camps. The camps were founded in, in 2003 by a gentleman who became a close friend of mine, David Todd. Uh, an older fellow, uh, had a passion for the outdoors, uh, had a passion for sharing it, uh, and knew back then what a lot of people still are just now realizing is that there is a huge problem uh, with the outdoors industry and the outdoor life and culture, uh, that there's uh, more of uh, my age individuals out there that are getting ready or have already left the outdoors and not buying licenses, not going out in the field or on the water anymore. And there aren't enough young kids to take our places. So he founded Outdoor Texas Camps with the understanding that uh, the outdoors is a very important part, was a very important part of his life growing up, all of his friends and family growing up. And he felt that uh, a lot of the lessons that you learn outdoors that have absolutely nothing to do with hunting and fishing, with shooting a rifle, shooting a bow, casting a fly rod or whatever, uh, the, uh, the other valuable lessons like maturity, uh, gaining independence, working with your hands, being patient, uh, learning to respect the outdoors, respect other people, uh, we're lost, we're, 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 we're getting lost. And uh, so he uh, <clears throat> reached out to a friend of his at Texas Parks and Wildlife, a gentleman by the name of Steve Hall, who at the time was head of hunter's education for Texas Parks and Wildlife. And he uh, sort of outlined his, his idea and outlined his plan. And Steve said, well, you gotta be kidding. There's nothing, no way you're gonna be, ever be able to do that. Uh, and uh, I don't know if, he was, if Steve was, was saying that because he didn't think that it could be done or didn't think that David could do it. Uh, David's uh, technological background ended with turning on his iPhone. Uh, he didn't do emails, he didn't do texting. Uh, and uh, so uh, he started Outdoor Texas Camps, like I said, in 2003, hosted it with one camp. Um, I got involved with Outdoor Texas Camps in about 2005. Uh, my son was uh, one of his first counselors and one of his, his shotgun instructors. And David knew that I had some skills that he didn't as far as being able to do spreadsheets and send emails and this, that, and the other. And he also knew that I had a passion for the outdoors. And so he and I became close friends and worked together uh, with the camps initially for years and years, just helping him develop the camps, uh, identifying and locating and securing places where he could host the camps and just fine tuning the format. And I knew that uh, eventually I would have the opportunity to buy the camps. And about seven years ago, uh, he was getting on in age and he was never a very healthy individual. Uh, and he finally said, Peter, I just can't do it anymore. Uh, you know, would you take over them? And I talked to my wife and she said, well, what about all the other things you're doing that you don't get done? And I said, uh, you know, this is, this is my passion. And she, uh, I don't know if she supported me, but she allowed me to buy the camps. And uh, I did, and uh, I love it. I mean, like I said, it, it allows me to, uh, uh, to hit all those points internally that, uh, of, of who I am and connect with who I am. I love teaching, I love the outdoors, I love kids, uh, and uh, there's nothing else in the world that, uh, that I feel like you should be, be doing right now. Yeah, this is something that you, it was meant 
to be for you? For you sure. know, I really do think that it was. Um, I've been a mortgage broker for the last 40 years, owned my own company, uh, built a company, sort of uh, uh, divested myself of it over a period of time uh, to the point where, uh, you know, I had no employees anymore. Um, I don't own a stick of furniture. Uh, I come and go as I please. I sort of got tired of babysitting, refereeing, and counseling adults. Uh, we had uh, had uh, six offices in Central and South Texas and, and about 80 employees. And, and uh, I just kind of got tired of that. I still do it, but the camps, that's where the camps came in. And uh, they, uh, they filled that gap for me that, uh, that I needed so badly. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not a good business, uh, but it is tremendously rewarding otherwise. I've got a couple of businesses like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I think a lot of guys do. If you're an entrepreneur, mm. uh, you, know, you find something that you can do relatively well that, that, uh, that allows you to generate an income stream. Uh, then that income stream allows you to, to pursue your passion. Uh, and sometimes that passion takes you down the wrong road or takes you down a road that just doesn't end up the way that you thought it was going to. For sure. uh, but, uh, but, but certainly, certainly the camps, um, I, yes, I feel like I was destined to, uh, uh, to own and operate these camps. Yeah. And you hit on something kind of a while back that I think is real important to kind of go back and, and address is, nowadays society is a lot different than what it was 10, 20 years ago. And I'm not going to sit here and say how bad it is or be very negative about it, but it's definitely really different where I feel like maybe a lot of our youth don't have the opportunities to spend the time outdoors. Like some of us did growing up in the Midwest or Texas and no. how valuable that is to grow, to be outdoors, not just hunting and fishing, but to be outdoors and how many lessons that you learn from doing that. And you, do. you learn from getting yourself in trouble, getting yourself out of trouble. Uh, there was a lot more freedom and flexibility. I know that you probably heard that it might have been the same for you when, when you were in junior high or high school. And, you know, we'd go out duck or dove hunting before school, drive back on campus with our pickup trucks and our shotguns in the back and our ducks in our bag. And, go to the field house and, uh, and take our shotguns and put them in the coach's office and put the ducks up in his freezer. And then we come by back and get them after, uh, at the end of the day. But, you know, it, it really allowed us, uh, to, uh, allowed us to grow up. And, uh, I think, uh, growing up outdoors, uh, having the opportunity to grow up outdoors, I think is beneficial to everybody. Um, like I said, you know, you learn, you learn that you can do just about anything with a, with a roll of bailing wire and some duct tape. Uh, you learn what's important, what's not important, what you need and what you don't need. Uh, you learn to respect. There's a lot of respect that is, uh, that is learned outdoors uh, and a lot of independence. You know, when, when, when I was growing up also, you know, just in, and I grew up in a residential neighborhood. I didn't grow up on a ranch or out in the country or on a farm. Uh, you know, but we, uh, me and my friends, you know, we'd, uh, we'd stalk the alleys uh, behind our, behind our house, you know, with our, with our red rider BB guns and our, our crossman pellet guns. 
and uh, we can terrorize uh, the neighborhood. And you know, I'm sure many uh, many uh, a neighbor you know found a dove or a bird you know dead on their back porch, which which is uh, you know from my friends and I shooting it there. But uh, you know, you just learn you know how to use the weapons. You learn to respect the weapons. You learn to respect each other. Uh, and it gave us an opportunity to, uh, uh, you know, to spend a lot of time outdoors. There wasn't a lot on TV back then. We didn't have computers. We didn't have iPhones or iPads. So, I mean, if you were sitting around inside, you were doing nothing. Uh, so there was always the opportunity to get on our bikes, take our, our, our fishing rod or, or a BB gun with us. Uh, and you know, ride through the neighborhood down to a, a, a creek uh, or a little wooded area, and uh, and you know, just be boys. And uh, unfortunately, there's not that many opportunities for 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 kids to do that these days. And and maybe that is the disconnect a little bit. Is as I was growing up, like you said, if you're indoors, you are really really bored because there's absolutely nothing to do besides doing chores for your mom and dad, and you don't want to be inside doing that. So you got <laughs> you got outside and you figured out, hey, what am I going to do outside? Let's go explore. And let's you yeah. know, you spent most of your time outside. And I think technology right now is allows kids to stay inside on TVs, on phones, on tablets games xboxes you know all the whole thing with technology and they're not forced outside because they're not bored anymore they're entertained right so no you're absolutely right you know we you know built forts built tree houses uh you know we take our parents or our dad's you know hammer and nail and, and a saw and and if we didn't put it back in the right place you know we got our we got our our, our rear ends you know whipped a little bit uh, and, you know, so once again, it just learns to respect other people's property. Uh, but we did things with our hands. We did things with our imagination. Uh, you know, we played cowboys and Indians. We did all that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I you can say what you want about technology. Um, you know, if I could look back in the, in the mortgage business, uh, back 40 years ago when, <clears throat> when, you know, we had electric typewriters, but we didn't have computers. Uh, we didn't have fax machines. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have emails. We didn't have any of that. And at the end of the day, when we were done with work, we went home and the work didn't follow us. Uh, and everybody's expectations of what could be done in a day or over a, a several days or a week or a month and you know, processing and closing alone were realistic. Uh, nowadays, so many expectations are, are not realistic. Uh, simply because people think that with all the technology that you should be able to do things that really you shouldn't be doing. Sure. Yeah, it definitely speeds things up. And you made a good point where that work follows you home, whether or not it's your choice or not. And a lot of times it's our choice. We have the computer there. We have our phone there. We hear the beep. We choose to engage <laughs> in work, but it's still there. It's, it's a fingertip away is that work. So, Absolutely. But, yeah. So your camps that you hold – um, now are these just for youth or do you have adult camps? Well, that's, uh, right now we just have youth camps. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it is something that I've been wanting to do is to develop adult camps that are similar, but a little bit more condensed and obviously a shorter period of time. Uh, it's kind of hard for, you know, parents and adults to take a week off and go to camp. Uh, but, uh, you know, to come in on Thursday, leave on Sunday, would certainly be realistic. 
Uh, I, I've sort of held off on, uh, on, on starting those camps, Kirk, because uh, I, uh, I'm a little reluctant. Uh, right now, uh, you know, I spend about 10 months of the summer or 10 weeks of the summer uh, away from home. And if I start the adult camps, what that's going to mean is I'm just going to spend probably another 10 or 15 or 20 weekends away from home. And uh, I, uh, I, I feel a little guilty in doing that. My, you know, I'm 63. My wife's, you know, I won't say how old she is, uh, <laughs> but uh, she's at that point in time where she's looking back and saying, you know, it's, uh, it's our time now. We've raised our kids. Uh, everybody's doing fine. They're out got them to college, they're all gainful employed, married, et cetera. And now what about us? So I haven't started the adult camps, but it's, it is certainly something that I need to do because we have uh, parents bring their campers on site and they look around and they hear the stories at the end of the week about what their, what their sons or daughters did. And they ask me, and I can't tell you how many, but it is a lot, ask me, when are you gonna do something like this for us? Uh, and I know that, uh, I know that it's needed. Uh, and, uh, I know that I need to do it. Uh, I just haven't pulled the trigger on that yet. Yeah. And I know we're getting off topic a little bit by talking about adult camps, but selfishly, I would love to come hang out for a week and build a tree fort. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> you can come hang out for a week and be my, uh, my archery instructor if you'd like. All right. To. <laughs> hey, we could do that too. We'll talk about that for sure. <laughs> But these youth camps, um, tell me a little bit, like, let's just say, obviously, you know, let's say I'm an adult that has kids that I'd love to pull away from a TV yeah. and get outside, get outdoors, and let's learn some of these skills and some of these lessons that you, you learn when you're outdoors. Tell me a little bit more specifically about what happens in these camps. You know, uh, we focus 100% on, on introducing and developing outdoor skills. We don't kick soccer balls. We don't throw frisbees. We don't learn a song. We don't learn a skit. Uh, and I think all of that is important uh, for kids. I think any opportunity for kids to engage and socialize these days with the way that the world is, the way that uh, there are there are very few uh, opportunities for kids to, you know, for a boy to beat his chest a little bit, uh, you know, figure out where they are in the pecking order at school or in their group or whatever it is. Uh, so uh, I think all of that is very important, uh, but we focus, like I said, 100% on, on developing outdoor skills. Uh, and at other camps, I know that they put a 22 or a BB gun in a camper's hands. I know that they put a little recurve bow or a Genesis bow in a camper's hands. Uh, but they're not really given the opportunity to develop that skill. At our camps, each one of our campers goes to five different activities a day for an hour and 45 minutes apiece. And at the end of the week, they will have had about 10 hours of one-on-four instruction with a very qualified uh, instructor, whether it be with rifle and handgun, uh, shotgun, trap and skeet, archery, fly casting, fly time, camping, survival. We'll touch on, uh, on uh, uh, wildlife and habitat conservation and management. And we'll also conduct a hunter ed uh, certification course on site. Uh, so, so we pride ourselves on making sure that when that camper leaves, whether they're nine years old or whether they're 16 or 17 years old, 
that they can safely and effectively operate each one of the weapons they've come into contact with, either at the range or in the field. Uh, we break down shotguns, we break down bows, we break down rifles, we show them how to clean them, we explain to them how important it is to keep their weapon clean, keep it working properly. Uh, and so that is really where we separate ourselves from everyone else. Um, you know, we get, uh, we get campers, Kurt, from, I guess the most states we've ever gotten campers from, I think is, is 17 different states. We don't advertise. I mean, we've got a, we do have a, a, an internet presence. We do have a website uh, that is a, a little, uh, a, a little archaic. Uh, and, uh, but uh, we don't advertise and we get calls from parents all over the country uh, inquiring about our camps that they got online and they, and they Googled hunting camps or fishing camps. Uh, and uh, you'd be amazed that, you know, we were talking just a little bit ago about, you know, how it was back in the day when I was a kid and you come home and you, you hear about it where you, you know, you have your snack, you do your homework, then you get on your bike and you didn't have to be home until the street lights came on. And your parents didn't know where you were. There weren't any cell phones. I mean, you could say I'm going over to little Johnny's house and, and you've been over to little Johnny's house and you've been over to David's house, been over to Scott's house in between. Your parents had no idea where you were. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, these days, uh, I get, I get calls from a uh, parent or an email even, don't even get to talk to them on the phone. And uh, I'll send them some information, we'll trade some correspondence. And the next thing I know, I've got a registration form. And the next thing I know, I've got uh, flight, uh, flight details and they're flying their child halfway across the country or all the way across the country to come to Texas and they've never met me. They don't know me from Adam. And, uh, but they trust uh, that, you know, I'm going to take care of their kids, even though I'm going to be putting weapons in their hands. <laughs> That's a little crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It, it, you know, to, to some people it would be unnerving. Uh, mm -hmm. The fact that, you know, you're putting your child on a plane that, and to send them somewhere that, uh, to spend a week with somebody that you've never met. But, you know, I don't know whether that is uh, because, <clears throat> those parents also grew up in the outdoors. Uh, they understand also, like I mentioned earlier, that uh, you know people that, that grow up in the outdoors, people that, that uh, make their living closer to the land, oftentimes, I won't say always, but oftentimes, you know, their values and their morals uh, are more grounded. Uh, they, uh, uh, they understand things differently than some people that, that maybe never had the opportunity to do that. And especially, obviously, those, those individuals these days who have spent their life and the only thing they know is, you know, 3,000 channels on TV and an iPad in their hand, uh, and uh, they think that's reality. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that, I think you really kind of hit the nail on the head when using there is just something about, and I don't know what it is exactly, but I trust someone from the outdoors that have grown up in the outdoors that have those values and the knowledge and those skills and those morals enough to say, I'm sending my kid and never met this person, but I, there's a level of trust there because of those things. And, um, and I, I don't know exactly what it is, but that's pretty, but you basically hit it on the head uh, when you said that, but now tell me, 
age age wise, what's the youngest and the oldest kids you've had there? You know, our printed age range is nine to seventeen. Uh, it used to be nine to sixteen, uh, and then I had some seventeen year olds that wanted to come along. Um, and uh, I believe that whether you're 16, 17, 19, or 25, if you want to learn more about the outdoors, if you want to get comfortable, if you have an interest in learning how to shoot a rifle or a shotgun or a bow or learn how to fish, cast a fly rod, tie a fly, I don't care what age you are. Now, there is a, a cap on, on, the, on the bottom side, and that is nine. I will allow, if I have an opportunity to visit with the parents, I will allow some mature eight-year-olds, some eight-year-olds that have spent time away from home uh, and uh, to, to join us at camp if they've spent some time outdoors. Uh, I want to make sure that, that, uh, that it is the, the child's, the camper's idea to come to our camp and not the parent's idea to send them to our camp. We're very proud of the fact that in the 18 going on 19 years of outdoor Texas camps, we have never had a child go home because they were homesick. We get kids who get homesick. Uh, most of our, you know, younger, nine, 10, some 11 year olds get homesick. Uh, it typically happens, you know, that first night away, Sunday night, Monday night. They haven't made friends yet. They don't know the routine. Maybe they're not used to getting up as early as we get up. Uh, they don't know their instructors. Maybe they, they didn't do as well as they thought that they would do with a rifle, a shotgun, or a bow. Uh, and they don't know how they feel about that. So, you know, typically when the lights go out the first night or two uh, and they start thinking about home, they start thinking about how they haven't made friends, they don't know their counselor that well yet, they don't know the routine, that's when they start getting a little bit homesick. Most of our counselors, not all of them, but most of our counselors and certainly all of our interns have previously been campers. They grow up within the outdoor Texas camps culture and, and family. And they understand that we're very, very good at identifying the signs of a child, whether they're a little boy or little girl, whether they're nine or 10 years old, identifying those signs that would point to the fact that they may be getting homesick they'll start retreating a little bit. They'll be quiet. Uh, they won't participate in things. Uh, and we're real good about bringing them back within the fold. Uh, we don't want to point them out. We don't want to separate them out. Uh, but when we see that, you know, we just sort of nudge them along. Uh, we make sure that we include them in conversations. Uh, we make sure that we talk to them about their home life and tell them that, you know, hey, the way you're feeling is normal, it's natural. Uh, and that points to the fact that you have a good home life and you should be proud of that. There's nothing wrong with that. And our goal is always to get our campers, those campers, to Tuesday night. When we get them to Tuesday night, and obviously we always have because we've never had a camper go home because of homesickness, they don't want to go home on Saturdays. <laughs> By that time, they, uh, they know the routine, they've started to make friends, they're, they're getting more comfortable with the shotgun or the rifle or the bow. Uh, they know their instructor and uh, they know the routine. So uh, we're very fortunate and that's, that's a big goal of ours because I wanna make sure that every one of our campers succeeds to whatever extent they have. Some are gonna be 
better at this or better at that or whatever. But primarily, the biggest thing they can succeed at when they come to Outdoor Texas camps or go to any camp is to finish. I want them to start. I want them to know that they finished, that they worked through it, uh, and that they succeeded. They won. And that's very important to us. Yeah, that's a very valuable life lesson to finish what you started. Now, these camps, um, you have boy camps and you have girl camps, right? Yes, sir. Uh, we have uh, our girls, we have our, our what we call our, our hunting, fishing, and outdoor skills camps. That's one of our general outdoor activity camp. They'll do rifle and handgun. They'll do trap and ski. They'll do archery, fly cast and fly time, fishing. Uh, we'll do uh, a, a mock blood trail. We'll do hunting techniques. Uh, we'll do game calling. So we do all that. We do horn scoring, et cetera. Um, and then, and, and unfortunately, because there aren't as many girls that are interested in going to a camp of our type as there are boys, um, that's where the girls' camps stop at this time. Uh, our boys' camps, we do the two weeks of the hunting, fishing, and outdoor skills camp. And then we have two weeks of bass fishing and fly fishing camps at a different location. And then we have two weeks of saltwater camps, obviously down along the coast. Uh, my goal has always been, and I, I tell everybody this, and it's, it, it is close to my heart, if I could replace every boy in every one of our camps, and right now we have 152 boys registered, if I, I could replace every boy in every one of my camps with a girl, I'd never have another boy in camp. The girls' camps, are completely different. The environment, the atmosphere is totally different. Uh, little girls uh, look you in the eye, you have a daughter. Uh, you know, it's, it's not just fist bumps and grunts. Uh, you know, little girls will look you in the eye, they'll respond to you, they laugh, they share, they're supportive of each other, they sing songs. Uh, and, and you can literally see these, some little girls as big around as my finger, and, some of them, the shotgun is taller than they are. And you can see them grow on a daily basis. You can see their self-esteem, their self-confidence grow on a daily basis. And when they come in the first day and they've never shot a shotgun, they've never shot a rifle, they've never shot a bow, they're afraid of the report, they're afraid of the, of the possible recoil. And on the last day, they're breaking clays, they're hitting targets, and, then, and they're, they're, they're flinging arrows. It is a absolute beautiful thing to see and uh that is uh but I, I i have a hard time um introducing or offering some of my other camps to the girls because there just aren't that many uh for instance right now when when i opened up registration this year in on october 17th in less than two hours my saltwater camps for the boys were totally full. In less than five weeks, all my boys' camps were totally full. I scheduled two girls' camps. Right now, I have 15 girls in both camps. Not to get, not, not each, 15 girls total. So, you know, once again, when we get a girl 
to join us at Outdoor Texas Camps, when they experience that, that growth, uh, they're ours until they age out. Uh, they'll be there for three, four, five, six years until they age out, become interns and then counselors. Uh, but I just can't get the number of girls and that has always been my goal, uh, is to build up the girls program to where I could offer the bass fishing and fly fishing camp, where I could offer a saltwater camp. Uh, but unfortunately, I have not been able to, to achieve that yet. Yeah, and that is unfortunate. And I guess I'm a little bit skewed because I, as you know, I have a daughter and as a lot of people that follow me have t seen me take Bella, my daughter, out hunting a few times and, and she loves it and I love it. And so my, my perception is that, you know, a lot of little girls love to go out and hunt and fish and hang out with their dads or just get out in the woods. But that may obviously might not be the case. And a good friend of mine, Sarah, you, I know that you know Sarah very well. Her and her daughter went to your camp and they love it. Sarah's definitely one of those girls that love to hunt and fish. She loves the outdoors. So I guess my perception is a little bit skewed and I'd love to, I would love to see more girls be at your camps. And, and I just, what do you think they disconnects that Peter? I honestly think just simply because it is not the experience that little, that, that girls typically grow up anticipating or expecting or, or looking for, um, you know, at our camps, uh, you know, we don't have a, a blob in a big pool or on a lake where they can jump on it. There's no water sports per se. Uh, we're not, you know, and I'm, I have four daughters, believe me. And, uh, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a sort of a, almost a girl dad, but I do have a son, uh, you know, at, at, at typical summer camps, uh, there's a lot of socialization. Uh, there's a, quite a bit of sitting around talking. Uh, they do the things that they're comfortable and familiar with. They play soccer, they play basketball, they play baseball, they swim. Uh, you know, I sort of mockingly, but I didn't mean it uh, derogatorily, uh, said that, you know, we don't learn the song or learn the skit, you know, at outdoor Texas camps. And that is certainly something that a lot of girls expect. Uh, a lot of girls anticipate uh, when they go to uh, go to a lot of these summer camps. Uh, it's just a different environment. Um, you know, I want our, our girls at our camps uh, to feel comfortable with the fact that they don't have to, you know, worry about makeup, that they can go to bed every night with a little bit of dirt underneath their fingernails. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. We had uh, two girls several years ago. They were smaller girls. One of the girls was, they were the same age, but one of the girls was quite a bit bigger than the, than the other girl. And most of the week, you know, there was, there was a tension between those two. Uh, and the last day we we're having our, our competition day and we were, we were at the archery range and, uh, I looked over and, you know, the, the, the counselors had helped these two little girls work through their issues. Uh, and, uh, I looked over at the, at the, the water jug and here are these two girls and they're, they're got their finger on the spigot and they're letting the water fall into the into the the powdered dirt and they were sitting down and making mud pies together now 
I don't know about most people, but that was one of the be most beautiful things I've ever seen. You know, these two little girls who worked it out uh, throughout the week uh, and had nothing in common. In uh, the last day, you know, they're sitting there in the mud making mud pies and, and making, you know, drawings on each other's faces with mud. And uh, to most people, that might not uh, uh, mean anything. To me, it meant a tremendous amount. Uh, you know, Kurt, I, 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 I wish I had a, a, uh, an answer for your question, you know, what's the disconnect? If I did, obviously I would have more girls in camps. Um, I've just, uh, I've, I've struggled with that. Uh, and I am, uh, I'm just stubborn enough to where I will never give up on the girls camps. And, and one of these days I will find what it takes uh, to, uh, you know, to, to, to fill up these camps and provide these girls other opportunities that the, that the boys get. That's right. And, you know, my daughter would absolutely love your camp. <laughs> she is all about shooting dirt under the nails. Just, <laughs> she would absolutely love it. But I want to take a, a little pause and just really talk to whoever's listening right now. And these listeners is the outdoor industry in five, 10, 15 years is 100 dependent upon our youth. And I appreciate what you're doing so much, Peter is you are literally growing our youth for the outdoor industry. And it directly affects what's going to happen in the next 15 years in the outdoor industry. That's where the financing comes from. That's where you know, everything will come from is our youth. As we start to age out a little bit, Peter, in the next, well, I want to hunt until I'm 80. That's what my, my goal is. But <laughs> my, dad, my dad hunted until his last year. He shot a a buck in his 91th, uh, when he was 91 years old in December and he passed away the following March. So yes, that is absolutely amazing. That's how I would love to do it. So, but anyway, our, uh, what we love, our outdoor industry is 100% dependent upon our youth. So participation, like, yes, participation. Yeah. So I, I appreciate so much of what you're doing. And I think that there either needs to be more camps or, or more of this going on somehow, some way. Um, with that being said, how many people do you let in camp? You know, we, and, and let me, let me go back a little bit on what you were just touching yeah, on, but because it, it is, it is so absolutely important. You know, outdoor Texas camps is just one grain of sand on all the beaches in the world. We're not going to turn the tide. We're not going to change things that much. Uh, but if everybody thought, well, I'm too small to make an impact on uh, in general, and nobody did anything and nothing would ever get done. That's the other premise that Outdoor Texas Camps was founded on was understanding that for those of us who appreciate and, and enjoy the outdoors, and you don't have to do it with a rifle or a shotgun in your hand or a bow or a fishing rod in your hand either. But for those of us who enjoy it, if you don't understand, and I know that it's a, you know, it's a broken record, you know, it's hunters and anglers that are the conservationists, they're the only ones that put money into conservation, et cetera, and the antis are, you know, that I don't even want to get into that. But if you don't understand that, that all the state and federal agencies depend on license sales, all the state and federal agencies depend on an excise tax, whether it's from fishing supplies or hunting and camping supplies, to fund conservation, fund wildlife management, keep state and federal parks open. 
if you don't understand that, then you need to understand it. And that's the premise really for Outdoor Texas Camps uh, is to make sure that we are doing what we can to get kids outdoors, to replace those of us who are aging out of the outdoor uh, lifestyle and bringing those in. I do a lot of presentations and do a lot of talks on that, on that subject. And I can bore you with all the numbers that there are, but the numbers are staggering. The numbers are frightening. And one of the things that I do is I mentioned to everybody, typically they're, you know, I'm talking to 13, 14, 15, 16 year olds out there. And I mentioned to them, I say, okay, so you're 15 years old. That means your father is probably about uh, 42 to 45 years old. Uh, your grandfather is probably 65 to 70 years old. So that represents three generations. If we don't start doing something now in three generations, we won't have the opportunity to do what you and I do. We will continue to lose some of the rights and some of the privileges that we have as hunters, as anglers, as sporting shooters. Regardless of whether a politician himself likes to pick up a shotgun or rifle or a bow or go fishing, they like their job even more. And if there aren't enough of us with a loud enough voice, and, and, and that's one of the problems is that we, we don't have a loud voice. We have, we're very passionate about what we do, but we don't have a loud voice about it. But if there aren't enough of us to impact what that politician will vote for or vote against, then we will continue to lose our rights and privileges as outdoorsmen. Uh, and that's, you know, that's just simple, plain fact. Uh, so, you know, if, 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 if you look at the, the numbers of, uh, of, of individuals, the percentages of, of say, you know, 12 to 18 year olds, 18 to 30 year olds, 30 to 45 year olds, and where that shift has gone in purchasing hunting licenses and spending those dollars in the outdoors, uh, there's, you know, there is a staggering change. I think it was in uh, 2018 alone, uh, there was a 27% decline in the dollars generated from the sale of outdoor products that went into that fund that was then divvied out to the states for wildlife conservation and management. So wow. we can't sustain that. We no. just can't sustain that. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, the, the perception, I, I get some kickback sometimes from people that watch that are not outdoors people in the hunting and like they're not, they've never hunted themselves and never fished themselves. Mm -hmm. So the perception that they have of me taking my daughter out hunting and fishing is you're teaching this youth bloodlust. You're teaching this, this youth want to kill these innocent animals that this person may love so much, right? Like these people love these animals. They, they love, would love to see deer and elk. They want to go to the parks and, and, and see these wild animals as they are, but they, they don't understand that without outdoors people funding this, it will not be there. And it's not about bloodlust and killing an animal. No. It's about the outdoors. Yeah. No, and I know we're going down a rabbit hole a little bit, Peter, but it's just, it's something I'm passionate about, you know? Well, it's, it, it really is, Kurt, like I said, it drives the camps. 
Uh, I mean, that is always, uh, you know, that, that is always in the forefront of my thoughts of what I'm doing and why I'm spending all this time and, and what we're trying to uh, accomplish at the camps uh, is, is to get kids not only to themselves engage in the outdoors, but to draw others outdoors with them. And I always challenge our campers, you know, every, at every camp, uh, everybody wants to do things with their buddies. I mean, your, your dad plays golf with his friends or plays cards with his friends. Uh, you like when you want to go to the gun range or the rifle range or go hunting or fishing, you're going to invite one of your friends. Invite that boy down the street, you know, that's never had the opportunity. And that's one of the problems is, you know, there are fewer opportunities these days for kids to engage in the outdoors. Fishing is easier. Hunting, not so much. Maybe in Colorado, where you have a lot of public land, it's a little bit easier. But here in Texas, you know, about uh, about 92% of the land is privately owned. So it's expensive. You, it used to be a lot easier to gain access to people's, to, you know, the farm down the road to just go knock on their door and they let you go out and shoot rabbits and squirrels like my dad and I did when I was young. Uh, it's not that way anymore. You know, there's liability and they're concerned about what's going to happen if they allow somebody on the property. Uh, but uh, it's, uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's hard and it takes commitment, takes time. And it takes, if you're here in Texas, it takes some money, uh, you know, to uh, engage in the outdoors. Texas Parks and Wildlife does a pretty good job of, uh, of they have you know hundreds of thousands of acres uh, they of, of, of developing that property and offering it but they don't have a good they don't do a very good job of marketing it making people aware of the opportunities uh, there's a program here in Texas called the Texas Youth Hunter Program it's an amazing program uh, for twenty five dollars you can apply to go on a hunt. Uh, and, uh, and, and some of the hunts are pretty darn good hunts, uh, management deer hunts, hog hunts, pronghorn hunts, varmint hunts, duck, quail, et cetera, turkey hunts, et cetera. But for $25, uh, you know, they develop relationships with private landowners who allow them access to bring these, uh, these boys and girls onto their property to help basically manage their herds. Uh, you know, they, you can, you know, if you, if you're an individual and there's only you know a half dozen of you or four or five of you in a family, uh, you can only shoot so many deer, but you need more animal shot or more quail or more dove or whatever it is. I mean, it's it's a management tool that these uh, that these landowners are allowing the uh, Texas Youth Hunter Program to uh, to help them with. So it's a it's a great program. Yeah, and that's fantastic to be able to, to give them that type of experience too. That's it. Really is. It really is. Yeah. So um, obviously you can't take, you know, hundreds and thousands of kids in these camps and teaching them the values, but how many can you have in a camp? You know, we, uh, with our concept and with our goals, once again, our goal is to make sure that that camper spends enough time with that weapon to where they're comfortable and safe with it and can, like I said, effectively and safely go out in the field or go on the range with their father when they get home. We don't feel like we could accomplish that if we had, you know, some of these summer camps have 100, 200, 500, 1,000 kids at a camp at one time. There's no way that we could accomplish that. Uh, we have to make sure, at least we feel, 
<clears throat> that we have to make sure that we put that rifle or that shotgun or bow in their hands uh, enough uh, to be able to accomplish our goals. So we don't have any more than 28 kids in any one of our camps. Uh, we, uh, we feel that at that point, we can give each one of those campers the opportunity, like I said, about 10 hours of one-on-four instruction on a, on, on a weekly basis uh, to be able to safely and effectively use that weapon. Uh, so we don't, we don't exceed that 28. Uh, we make sure that we stay within that uh, because uh, they're just not gonna have the time and we're not gonna have the time to spend with them to make sure that they, uh, they go home with, a, with a, the, the set of skills that we want them to. Right, and I think that's real important that they get that much, uh, not one-on-one attention, but almost, yeah. you know, they, they get, some very good attention because you need that. Those are the weapons that are using very dangerous weapons. And, and you want that attention with your, if I'm a parent sending a kid there, I would want that, that attention. On Absolutely. Kid too. Yeah. And, um, and we, make, we make a point to, to tell our campers that you not only learn by doing, but you learn by listening and watching as well. So, so it is the instructor's job, their responsibility to work one on, and sometimes we'll have, he'll have, you know, an archer on, on his right and an archer on his left to work with maybe two campers at a time. It's the counselor's responsibility to make sure that the other two campers are watching and listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. It's a great system. So obviously they're learning skills of how to handle a weapon would be a bow, a shotgun, rifle fishing a pole the outdoor skills i'm sure maybe fire starting some some survival stuff but like but here's my assumption i'm gonna i'm gonna answer my question before i ask the question okay my assumption is they're actually bringing home a higher self-esteem at the end of this camp would you agree with that being like the expertise camps or what else they bringing home that's absolutely what they're taking home with them and that's one of the most important things that we feel that they can take home with them uh, is is that that higher self-esteem, that higher self-confidence, that independence, that understanding that you know something that they thought that they never could do that they did accomplish. They won. Uh, they finished the race. Uh, a couple of years ago, and I still do it to some extent. I reached out to uh, to some of our parents that that I knew that had been sending their 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 children to our camps year in and year out. And I said, okay besides learning these skills, because you know that little Johnny or little Susie is pretty darn good with that bow or that shotgun or that rifle now, why do you keep sending them to independent mortgage services? And I'm gonna paraphrase right now, but the common thing among all the parents that I spoke to was that they felt like their kids grew up more in one week at outdoor Texas camps than at any other time in their life. They changed in that one week period of time by giving them the opportunity. And and one of the things I tell our campers is, I'm gonna treat you like an adult from day one. You don't have to earn my respect. You walk in with my respect. You walk in with my trust. Now my respect and my trust is yours to lose. Your choice. We give them the opportunity to grow up to take responsibility uh, with those weapons by putting them in their hands. And you, like we discussed and we talked about earlier, 
you can literally see the change and their parents want them to come back to outdoor Texas camps. Not so much because they want them to shoot, you know, 98 instead of 95 out of 100, but because they want them to spend time around myself, spend time around our instructors, our, our counselors, uh, who all have a passion for the outdoors, who all have a passion for sharing it with tomorrow's outdoorsmen. Uh, and they're all very good role models. They're all very good mentors. Uh, our campers and our instructors uh, and our, our counselors stay in touch with each other all year long. So the thing that they are, that you touched on, Kurt, their self-esteem, their self-confidence, the growth that they experience in that one week period of time. Uh, that's why campers keep coming back year after year after year. Uh, and they want to become even a, a closer part of our family by becoming interns, becoming counselors later on, becoming instructors uh, themselves. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it, is, it is providing those kids the opportunity to grow up. Yeah. And we do it in such a way that it's outdoors. Uh, where they have the opportunity to spread their wings a little bit, uh, fall down, skin their knee, get up, do it all over again, and, uh, and know that they're going to be fine. You know, I'm going to bring up something here that I'm sure you probably are aware of, and this is not an egotistical statement when I say this, but let's talk about legacy. I have Peter's legacy right here. You are, uh, you are touching so many different lives and changing not i mean you change one kid's life that uh, that touches how many other lives does that kid touch and talk about like what a great legacy that you're leaving by helping all these kids and people well thank you i uh <laughs> i know that i'm that not me i know that the camps are having that impact on these kids I know that it's actually also actually having an impact on their parents and their siblings. They go home different when they come to our camps. I mean, our, I get emails and phone calls all the time. What did you do to little Johnny? You know, now he's making his bed and he's taking his, he's cleaning the dishes and he's wanting to help cook and he's wanting to do this. And he says he wants to be an intern and wants to be a counselor for you. You know, what did he do now? I don't know how long that lasts. It might just be the week after they get home. Uh, it might last a month. It might last forever. Uh, but uh, I do understand the impact that we're having on people, Kurt, on, on these kids. Um, you know, I, I, I actually like to think of that all I'm doing is carrying on David Todd's legacy. David Todd, who, who founded the camps. It was his idea. Uh, and, and he struggled and I helped him, uh, really get, uh, the camps, uh, uh, with some momentum moving forward. Uh, but it's his legacy. I am just carrying, I'm carrying the torch and, uh, you know, at some point in time, I'm going to pass the torch on to someone else. Also, I hope to be around long enough to be sitting on the porch at a camp and watching everything, but I don't know that I'll be intricately involved in everything like I am one of these days. Uh, but I appreciate you uh, appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely struck me pretty strong there, and 
And I believe in, I, I enjoy and just appreciate everything that you're doing so much. If you ever need anything from me, I am just a phone call away and I would help out at any time. Uh, you got to be careful, Kurt. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, you know, uh, organizations like, like, like mine, not mine, not Outdoor Texas Kansas, but there's a lot of organizations that, that uh, would love to hear that from the parents and they'll suck the life out of you. And uh, I know well, that, that. I felt, I felt I, safe I, saying that with you, Peter. <laughs> you feel safe because you live in Colorado. <laughs> you live in San Antonio, you wouldn't be so safe. Right. <laughs> Well, let's talk about, uh, I know that we had mentioned scholarships at one point in time that you've given out to these camps. Or tell me about the scholarships and tell me about how people can get in touch with you to do this. You know, we've always been a standalone organization. Um, David believed that if he asked for something and got something for free, that he was obligated to do something else. Uh, I'm not so much that way. Uh, I, but I have developed some good relationships uh, with outdoor industry. I always like to pay my way. I might not pay full price, but I always like to pay my way. Um, you know, we look uh, at, at in trying to develop the girls' camps. Uh, I knew that it was going to take more time and more effort and more money on my part. Uh, I reached out to an organization called the Sportsman's Club of Fort Worth. Uh, it was uh, founded about 75 years ago, and it's an amazing organization. They have one fundraiser a year, and then they go ahead and give out grants and, uh, and assistance, uh, mainly to outdoor education. And so I reached out to them and I submitted a grant, told them what I wanted to do with it. And they, they provided me with some funds to advertise uh, for girls only, no boys, because I got all the boys I need. I've got wait lists on all of my boys camps. Uh, and they provided me some funds for scholarship. So we have a $400 scholarship uh, and uh, to uh, our, our girls camps uh, for first time campers only. Uh, and all they have to do is, is write a 250 to 400 word essay on an outdoor experience that they have had themselves or what they would hope to accomplish by coming to outdoor Texas camps. There's no judging. I mean, we're not, we're not going through 20 different uh, essays and trying to pick one or two or three that uh, are the best. If, if, if a child takes the time out these days to put their thoughts their feelings and their emotions and, and their desires on a piece of paper can actually write a complete sentence, which, you know, these <laughs> days with everybody texting and, and abbreviations and everything is important to me. Uh, if they take the time to, uh, to share that experience and share their thoughts with me, then that's, I want them here in camp. So we have a $400 scholarship that brings the cost of our camps from $1,200, our girls camp, from $1,200 a week to $800 a week, uh, which makes it manageable uh, for, the, uh, uh, for most families. Um, and uh, and we, I've used some of the funds that the Sportsman's Club of uh, Fort Worth gave me to do some radio advertising in the North Texas area. Uh, and uh, so that's, you know, that's one of the things that I've been doing. 
spending a lot of time. I'll be going to a, a camp expo uh, this weekend. Uh, and all my literature, everything I have, all about girls. Uh, and uh, uh, that's, that's going to be my goal. So I, I, need to, I need to do a little bit more footwork uh, and, uh, in, in trying to find, like I said, that, uh, that combination of advertising, marketing, association with groups, association with the hunting and outdoor industry as well, uh, to, uh, to get, find more girls to, uh, to come to our camps, to, to have the opportunity to experience what Outdoor Texas Camps has to offer. Yeah, Peter, that's fantastic. Um, that scholarship's amazing, man. And I, I agree with you 100%. If they're willing to put their emotions out there on paper, like uh, that's that's you're not picking just one they all get it and and young ladies you better put that pencil to paper right now <laughs> you know, i'm sure and, mom and dad I, would love that 400 bucks <laughs> uh, yeah 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 you know and i mentioned to you that you know well the majority of our campers do come from texas uh but uh we have a a large number that uh, that come from out of state like i said from 15 different states one year on average, we probably get campers from eight or nine different states. Uh, we had a camper come from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, I think it's been three years ago. And uh, we had one camper come from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And this year we'll have 21 campers come from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Oh so we are going to be inundated with, with, uh, with Cajuns. And uh, <laughs> they are some of the, the, the craziest little guys you've ever, uh, you've ever come into contact with. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah, even though you're in Colorado uh, and your podcast is going to be heard from, by people all over the country, um, yeah, I would love – to have girls come from from out of state, uh, we have uh, we have three sisters and a cousin come from Oklahoma, and uh, to our girls camp every year. Uh, and uh, yeah, the four hundred dollars is uh, if, if that's the, the 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 carrot that's going to entice you to come, bring it on. <laughs> well, I know it just helps mom and dad's pocketbook a little bit, right? But <laughs> it, does, it does, and you know that's another thing, Kurt. You know our camps depending on the camp itself. Uh, our hunting, fishing, and outdoor skills camps are, are normal retail price for girls is $1,200. For boys, it's $1,295 because they eat a lot more and they also <laughs> shoot a lot more than the girls. Uh, but uh, our fishing camps, the price goes up. Uh, you know, we've got to hire fishing guides. We've got to hire boats. Our saltwater fishing camp, which is our most popular, you know, they'll go offshore fishing one day. They'll go flounder gigging one night. They'll go bay fishing one day. We rent a, a floating barge out near Baffin Bay off of uh, the King and the Kennedy Ranch. And uh, when the sun goes down, we turn on the lights <coughs> and uh, it'll attract all the bait fish and the shrimp and they will literally catch fish all night long. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of expense to our types of camps. Mm. Like I said, I never, I'm never going to put down, you know, other types or other styles of camps, <clears throat> but we're not, you know, kicking the same soccer ball, throwing the same Frisbee as we have for the last three or four years. You know, we're going through a lot of expensive supplies and materials and weapons and, and, and tools in order to facilitate our camps. Yeah. And it, it definitely speaks to having that one little boy from Louisiana one year and then 21 of them a few years later. That just says that your service, your product 
is is very good and the word travels fast so we think so yeah well peter i tell you what man um anybody watching or listening to this podcast where can they find information about you you know we do have a website as you know, uh, OutdoorTexasCamps.com. Uh, uh, but probably the best thing to do at this point in time is uh, to uh, email me or call me. Uh, my phone number, my mobile number is 210-393-6565. And my email address is peter at OutdoorTexasCamps.com. Uh, so I welcome anybody to give me a call. Uh, text me, uh, send me an email, and I'll share our information with you. Uh, if you're uh, if you're you're calling in in, in uh, on behalf of your son, uh, it will be next year. Uh, you will be on the mailing list. If you're calling and uh, on behalf of your daughter, bring her on. We'd love to have her. Right, and I'll link. I'll put this uh, everything in the description of this podcast, so you guys can find his email address, phone number, even that's very brave of you, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm a, my, in my other life, I'm a mortgage broker. And so most of my business comes on weekends and evenings after, because people don't have the time to go look for houses and properties during the day. They do it on the evenings after hours and they do it on the weekend. So my, uh, you know, my, uh, my phone number is, is, is open to everybody. That's great, man. So like I was saying, it's going to be in the description, his email address and his phone number. Uh, if you're watching this podcast, I'll link it right here on the screen. I'll do both of them. But at this point, and, and Peter, I stick around after this podcast a little bit. After we get done, we'll chat a little bit more and I'll let you go for the night. But anything else you want to let these listeners know before we end this podcast? You know, uh, Kurt, this is the first time I've ever done something like this, done a podcast. Uh, I had to go out and buy this little camera to stick up on top of my computer because my computer, uh, before it looked like I, you would be looking at me through snow. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity. I truly do to appreciate the opportunity that you're providing me to uh, talk about outdoor Texas camps, talk about the problems associated with the outdoor industry, uh, talk about uh, the, the other benefits that these uh, that our campers derive from from coming to our camps, uh, not just, you know, how to shoot a rifle or a shotgun or a bow. Um, I, uh, I, I love these camps. I love what we offer the kids. Uh, and uh, I'd love to share it with as many people as possible. Thank you very much. Absolutely, man. It's something that I'm very passionate about too. So it fits really good. And I feel good that I could help out a little bit. So. All right, guys, this is the Western Obsessions TV podcast. Thanks for listening. And me and Peter will sit around here and, and chat a little bit more. This is the Western Obsessions TV podcast, where hunting's not a hobby, it's an obsession. <laughs> <laughs>